0: Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network.
1: This is NHI Notables with Ernesto Nieto, recorded at the National Hispanic Institute in Maxwell, Texas. So Alex, this is Ernesto Nieto, as you well know, we're good longtime friends and associates and counselors to one another and people who believe in each other's work. I was just dealing or talking to Julio. I call him sometimes a historian. Is he correct that you go back to two thousand six in your relationship to NHI? Um, two thousand
0: five, actually, two thousand five.
1: So 2005, you attended the, the LDZ in Chicago, New York. Where was it? Uh, Chicago. And you ran for and won what? I just want to make sure oh. that the listening audience has a I, tracking history of your development.
0: I won nothing in my <laughs> LDZ. <laughs> I probably ran for everything, to be honest. I must have ran... I Well... I must have at least tried to, because we had, like, we, we had packs back then, so, like... Oh, you went during that era? Yeah, so, like, kids were, like, buying each other lunch during, like, the excursion and stuff, but, um, <laughs> so I didn't, you know, I, I, I floundered, I floundered, much like if I tried to make that attempt in our current political structure today, <laughs> it would not be very successful.
1: <laughs> well, you seem to be doing a lot better job, but we'll get to that in a minute. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what was your experience and how would you summarize that first public experience call the LDZ and why was that important to you?
0: Um, I think what was so special about my LDZ experience was that I was really good at not getting discouraged. And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I can even learn, like, me present day can learn from me back then, 15 year old me, because I think about like, I probably ran for so many things. I like, I, you know, whatever I ran for, I didn't win. And then I went to the house and I ran for speaker and I didn't get speaker. And, um, but like none of it fazed me, like losing so much didn't <laughs> faze me in my LDC. Um, I eventually got, you know, most promising leader, uh, in my, in my LDZ, but I think, you know, a lot of it in that experience probably went back to that attitude of like, okay, well, this is not working. Let's adapt. Okay. This is not working without, you know, getting demoralized. And so, um, you know, I think that was pretty, pretty cool. A 15 year old me. And I, I kind of, I feel like I kind of lost that edge a little bit for a while. I would get discouraged at, at failures, but I'm working on getting back there.
1: Well, Just kind of an interesting question. That was your real first attempt in being in a kind of a public setting, it seems to me, dealing with people whom you were getting to know for the first time in a very quick manner and being in a situation where you didn't know them, they didn't know you, and yet you had the courage, and the reason I use that word very specifically, I'll come back to it, to go ahead and prevail and learn from the experience of doing Was that generally what you got out of it?
0: Yeah, you know, I definitely think so. Especially, and I feel like that experience was amplified for me because I was only one of two people from the entire East Coast in my national LDZ. There wasn't really a, a strong Northeast presence yet. It was like right before NHI really started getting um, presents from New York and Philadelphia, New Jersey. So there were no New York NHIs when I went, it was like the year before it really kind of blew up. And so I was really kind of a babe in the woods out there with, you know, kids coming in like 20 kids deep from their high schools in Texas and Chicago. But, um, it was fun. It was fun. I just kind of dove in. I think I was, you know, it was, it was half naivete and then just half like screw it, which I think is exactly how um, how I would characterize my current run for Congress. <laughs> so, um, yeah.
1: Well, I, I don't know that it would be screw it as much as it would be courage. And one of the things that I think I admire about you a lot <clears throat> is that sense of courage and vision and character. I have um, always Thank told you. a lot of young people, and I've told parents that part of the experience of being part of NHI is that you participate in learning experiences where you develop courage, vision, and character. And that these are things that you may not learn as well in high school or in the classroom of academia, but certainly it's something that begins to build a foundation. I'm just curious about how do you make the connection between Alex 2005, you said, to Alex 2018 and her run, and we hope it's successful, for the U.S. Congress in this year of 2018.
0: Where is that connection? I mean, I think it's a very profound connection. It's funny because I talk about my experience with NHI quite a bit on the campaign trail. I talk about my work as an educational director and, you know, just in general. And, um, you know, sometimes people will ask me or journalists will ask me, like, okay, but what did you do as an educational director with the National Hispanic Institute? Like, what does that mean? And it's, it's, it's hard to describe because, you know, what I say is, like, you have the schooling of reading, writing... Social studies, science, but what we're really kind of teaching young people and just ourselves to do is to kind of have control over our own destiny.
1: And, and I, I suppose also learning how to navigate the unknown. I'm sure that in your experience in running, that there's a lot of there are a lot of things that you're having to experience for the first time. For sure. Can, sure. you, can you describe some of that?
0: Um, you know, it's a lot. Uh, when I first started running, you know, I—I I one of the reasons why I'd never even entertained a, a seriously pursuing politics before is because I just had felt that the New York political machine was just far too corrupt and it wasn't something that I wanted to be a part of. Um, And so when I thought about running, I basically had to say, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to basically run like no one else has ever run before in the state of New York. And um, there are so many different factors from identity factors, the fact that I'm the only female challenger, uh, congressional challenger in all of New York City this year. There are about 16 congressional challengers. I'm the only female. I'm probably one of the only Latinas. Um, there's a whole, like, like, I really had to run in a way that was fully expressive of who I am, and my campaign had to be that, too. And there's so many, there's social dynamics you navigate, there's basically, like, the challenge of building power where there has never, where no one's bothered to build power before um, is something that we're doing, and we're doing it without corporate money, which is highly unusual in New York city politics. And so, you know, the details don't always, you know, the, 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 devil is in the details, but on a broad stroke, it's we're really just doing things that no one else has done before. And I was always kind of, I think, I feel like I was always kind of confused by the word navigate because navigate sometimes implies finding a right direction. And I never know if what I am doing is the quote unquote right thing to do, but I just know that my choices are true to who I am.
1: Okay.
0: And that is how I personally have come to navigate myself. And I found that NHI helped me so much in that because NHI helped me develop my who I am and be confident in who I am. And I really learned that when I am trying to navigate myself by what I think is right by external standards, I almost never do well. But when I navigate and make decisions based on what I what feels like the right thing to do for me, or the smart thing to do for me, or the something that I'm capable of doing, then it usually ends up well.
1: Well, it's and that's sounds, basically what I've been doing. It, it almost sounds like being true to thyself. And, it absolutely is. It and, absolutely and, is. And and I think you're talking about how you build your character as a result, and how you 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 begin to craft your values and your outlooks and your sense of worth and value. I, I'm going to take you a little bit into the deep end, not because of anything else, but just so that. We don't make this just a a facts and figures conversation so that we can explore thinking. And I think you know me well enough that that's something that I enjoy very much. I'm just very curious how this experience of being a U.S. congressional contender, which, by the way, Alex, you know all of us here at home, NHI headquarters, just value you and love you very deeply and we're wishing you All the best. But let's just get beyond you being a member of our family, how all of this resonates when I talk about things like, how have your power relationships, how has your social coding, and how has your cultural coding been altered as a result of this experience?
0: Well, I mean... It's a big question because it's so it it digs so deep.
1: Um, well, let, let me help out in this way, just so that I can at mm-hmm. least begin to pinpoint it a little more. Uh, in terms of in terms of power relationships, you know, we go into situations where there are dominant societies and more submissive societies, or we tend to perceive, you know, the person you've been running against has been traditionally seen as the superior power. And here you are, you're entering that playground of politics, and you're essentially challenging someone who's been accustomed to that power. And by nature, by the mere nature of having been there several terms, assumes that they rightfully should be reelected. And here comes Alex Ocasio-Cortez who is having to redefine that power source. How do you feel about that?
0: Well, it's very exciting because I think the mistake and the predominant way that people look at power is wrong, is incorrect. I think that most people look at power as a competition over existing assets, whether it's money, whether it's votes etc. They say I need to get what that guy has. Okay, and well what we've done very differently is build our own spaceship to use your to use your words. We are mobilizing voters that have never voted before. We are raising money from people that have never donated before and we are building our own power to challenge the existing illusion of power, Um, and that's what it is, because in our case, it's an illusion of power, Um, and I think that that is the most exciting way to do it, because if you are constantly just trying to analyze your competition and see what they have and trying to get, you know, compete for those same resources, it's, you know, there's no fun in that. And you aren't really building, and you aren't really leading, because you aren't building anything.
1: So what I hear you saying, what I hear you saying is that not only are you redefining your power relationships, you're forming new power relationships with people unaccustomed to have power. Am I correct in that?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. One hundred percent. How
1: how is that playing out, Alex? I'm very curious about that because we are not talking about the powerful versus what historically has been considered the powerless? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, I think there's so many NHI concepts that kind of play into that. So one is, it's funny that, that you kind of started this interview off with, with the theme of courage because the one of our slogans on the campaign is the courage to change. Okay. And a big thing that big way that we mobilize people is saying that things can be different for us and the future can be ours if we believe that we can make it happen. So you've got elements of poof, you know, proceeding only on faith there. Um, but what we do is exactly what MHI teaches us to do is to paint a picture and have a vision for the community as to what we can accomplish together. And then use that as the emotional, spiritual, political rallying point to organize individuals to take control of their collective destiny. So, so basically,
1: and, you're 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 molding something that may not have existed yeah, prior to. Yeah, totally. And it's emerging, and it gives people a sense of common vision and common cause. It seems to me you're saying that. And that it's not necessarily in competition what's, with what's been there, but it's building its own strength, its own energy source. Am I correct? hundred
0: percent. You're a hundred percent about that. Hundred percent correct.
1: And now for a quick break. Mm-hmm. The National Hispanic Institute is an organization with a 37-year history of working to change the social narratives of our young Latinas and Latinos to help them envision a new America, a new Latino community, a new direction, and a different kind of culture. We want our young people to be inspired by who they are and see the asset value of our culture and these 800 million people in this vast amount of land. That starts all the way in Canada and goes all the way to the tip of Argentina.
0: Our hope for an alum is that, A, that they have the mindset of giving back to their community, that they want to help, they want to contribute. And B, is that they realize this throughout their entire lives and make leadership part of their overall journey throughout their whole life.
1: The National Hispanic Institute has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. It has literally educated and re-educated an entire generation or two now of young Latinos and their allies around the country, around the world, to think about our community and think about our role in the community as being change agents and ultimately in advancing the cause and the needs of our community. Personally, the National Hispanic Institute has helped
0: me reach goals and do things that I didn't think I was going to be able to do before.
1: And so, what we did was create these learning experiences where young people could learn to be in charge of things.
0: We just encourage people to go way beyond a career in life. We want to see them have a community calling. NHI is a place where I come and I have to learn, how do I pass on values? And then the benefit of that self-belief, that it's possible, things are possible for all of us, and that we can contribute to the success of others.
1: We look at the richness of our community, at its value, at its capacities, and we go from that point forward. We don't want our young people to look at themselves and their communities and look down. We want them to look up and be inspired. And now back to the conversation. And so tell me a little bit about what kind of character it takes to ensure that that occurs, because character infers values and beliefs, deep-seated beliefs, and the way in which you treat people and get treated back. It's not a, I'm above you and you're above me, or you're, uh, how, how How is the character part of your campaign forming itself?
0: Well, I think that at the core, we are radical.
1: That's a good and word.
0: That is a word and it is a way of life that so many people are afraid of. You know, we we have been conditioned to think that half measures and half steps are somehow more informed courses of action. But when it comes to certain things, I really, truly disagree. I think that we have been able to do what we've done you know just just today we crossed 20,000 followers on Twitter 10,000 in our Facebook audience we're we're at several more thousand on Instagram but again the re- this revolution is not just digital it's physical and the way we do that is through showing radical love radical courage radical integrity i'm not saying i'm going to take less lobbyist money than the other guy, I'm going to say, I'm going to take no lobbyist money. And when we know what the correct course of action is, the thing that makes us different is that when we know in our hearts and in our minds what the correct course of action is, we commit to it 100%. We don't commit to it 50%. We don't commit to it 30%. We commit to it 100%. We'll debate, we'll have conversation, we'll have, you know, we'll, we'll discuss what the right thing is. But once we decide what that right thing is, we go 100% in that direction. Because what people need now, more than ever before, is a little moral clarity and a little moral and political courage. And we're unafraid to be that option for people. And I think that contrary to what many people would think, that that would be polarizing, it's actually very uniting, well, because I, people I, I, feel heard.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I don't think it's just uniting. I think it's reassuring. You know, if if there's something that I am very very concerned about is losing our democracy, in the pure sense of a democratic way of life, where we can find ways of being dis- of disagreeing without being disagreeable, without declaring sides, without being just totally polar opposite and, you know, with the intent of hurting people's feelings because we feel like our views are better than theirs or they feel like their views are better than ours. It seems to me that our nation is hungry for a different form of politic. Would you agree with that?
0: I do. You know, one of the biggest compliments that I get on the campaign trail is actually from people who are Republican or independent or otherwise disagree with me because I have people coming up to me and say, you know what? I don't necessarily agree with all of your stances, but I trust you. I trust you to be actually listen to our community and I trust the integrity of what you're doing. And I trust that you're going to do your best to do right by us. And I think that's a beautiful thing because we get people from all across the political spectrum who support what we're doing and support our campaign, because the right thing isn't always left or right, and especially because right now in our politics, our problems are not left and right. They're top and down, and we're one of the only people that, are, that, are, that have unapologetic advocacy for working-class Americans, poor Americans, middle-class Americans, and we're unafraid to, to call a spade a spade either.
1: Well, are are, are we at that point in our development as a society where a new form of politic is needed and maybe hopefully emerging? I I personally, I think I said it earlier, I feel a sense of desperation for what I want to believe in. Uh, I feel like we have flipped into a very hierarchical, authoritarian type, one rule all kind of politic. And I feel very threatened by it. And, and I see that your, your way of conducting yourself begins to broaden the base and is driven by a different set of beliefs and certainly a different vision. I wanted to there to steer you in a different direction now. I wanted to find out what you think the opposition may be thinking of your politic.
0: Well, it's very clear that despite the fact that they have millions more dollars than we do, that they are very scared. They are very, very scared because we're not just challenging a person. We're not just challenging a seat. We are challenging a system. Yes, you are. And that has people very alarmed and very scared. Um, and
1: But it's given hope, that, Alex, it's given hope to a different belief system. That there's, totally. That there is truth in a democratic form of government.
0: The interesting, the interesting thing, and I think we kind of chatted about this before, but like I really do see the power, the establishment as it is, as like very much the way the LDC is constructed. The story that the LDC is constructed on is the Wizard of Oz. Right. And like you think, you think about your Secretary of State. It's like the ultimate allegory because the only thing that gives. This thing, the illusion of power, is the fact that we just believe that it's powerful, but in truth, it could have no power at all, you know. And I think that's that's ultimately the fear that they have. It's it's an emperor with no clothes situation. They're afraid that Toto's going to rip back that curtain and they're going to find out that it's just some dude on a machine, <laughs> exactly. and it's not it's not this big mystical thing after all. And there, people are afraid that the power of this system is going to be exposed for what it is because we're running as we are. You know, we we run with radical transparency and that is with such contrast.
1: So to are so are we seeing the existing the, system? Okay. Are we seeing the rise of a different comment? And the reason I'm asking that is because we're not talking Republicans and Democrats right now. We're talking Democrats no. versus Democrats. Well,
0: we're talking Top versus bottom. And we're not going to take any prisoners. If you are an oppressive Republican, you should be challenged by someone. And if you are a Democrat that is advancing economic injustice, then you deserve to be challenged, especially in our community. And, you know, our opponent was never elected. He was appointed to the seat. And we like to think that just because someone is, is a Democrat, that makes them a good guy. No, especially in the state of New York, where Democrats, in the city at least, just rule. Once you get one party rule, whether that be Republican or Democrat, then you have to, then like the only conversation is within that party. And um, no one is immune. This is, you know, this is Congress. If it was meant to be a lifetime seat, then they would be lifetime appointments. But we have elections every two years for a reason, because we need to tinker and we need to adapt and we need to improve and refresh our elected representation on a regular basis.
1: Well, let me ask you a final question as we begin to round out this interview, should I say. And this is something very personal to me. You and I had a conversation, you may not remember that conversation, or maybe you do, when there was a question about the validity of third reality as a concept, and whether it was BS, or whether it was something that actually exists and it gives us options for self-change and perceiving community in a different way. What would you have to say about that concept and its importance, not only to what you're doing, but important in the way we're working with new generation Latinos of the future?
0: Well, I think the important concept about that is that I think that this idea of third reality gets really muddled and confused, and perhaps it's not communicated um, clearly because, you know, it gets turned into this woo-woo sci-fi thing of, oh, I need to do something that's never, ever been done before. And I think that what it also can mean is doing something that some may even consider routine or doing something relatively normal, but in a way that has never been, in a way that has never been done before. So it's not just about doing new things, but it's about doing things in a new way. And that could mean, sorry, that could mean all of the difference in the world. And um, Do you and think, I think that's
1: what you're doing in your candidacy? Do I what? Is that what you think you're doing in your candidacy? I think so. Doing things differently within a system that exists?
0: Yes. I think, well, yes and no. I mean, I'm doing things differently in the system of American democracy. But I'm also doing new things in that I'm running a candidacy that is, that really like the world has never seen before. And that may sound like a big game, but I really think it's true. I think that no one in no one in the state of New York, no one in the city of New York has ever even conceived of running or having or having the courage to run without any kind of machine support. And we put and it started by putting a hundred percent of our faith in the community. And the idea that if we run with this commitment to the world as we want it to be, then we can make it happen. And that is something that I think is entirely new. But we are doing it in the framework of classic American democracy. And um, so, you know, it's a little bit of both.
1: And uh, I guess what I wanted to say as we begin to close out, I want you to reiterate and reaffirm. How deeply we believe I was sharing with Tino, and you know Tino very well. Yeah. That if there's anyone of the NHI, many young people that have come through the doors of this organization, that I consider national leadership timber, I think her name is Alex Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, thank you. And and I know that the public now and in the future will hear your name. And know you, and come to know your truths, and come to know what drives you. Because if there's anything distinguishable that I've always known is your humility, but a humility that's measured with respect to power and the kinds of rights that the common everyday work and family should aspire to and have. And the genuineness with which you deliver that message makes you stand apart from the many. And I wanted you to know that from me because I've always admired you. We've had many hours of conversation through the years, and you know that. But oh, yeah. yeah. And had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. But the point is, is that I, I really do believe that you do, you're do you doing this with the intent of making a difference in our country and with people who have been voiceless. And we cannot but admire and applaud your efforts and we want to. Wish you all the success in the world, not because you. you should win, not because you should prevail in this race between two people, but because our country needs you. At this moment in our history of division, our country needs you. And I want to wish you well. I want to thank you for this interview. And I know there'll be other occasions when we can have long, extended conversations as we have for years. Alex Ocasio-Cortez, thank you very much for your time. Of
0: course, thank you. And thank you for your, you know, your companionship and your mentorship and the entire community, entire that of the entire NHI community. You know, it takes a village, and this this isn't just, you know, about me. This is about us, and this is about an entirely new, you know, representing an entirely new mindset to how we approach government in our lives and there's no way that that would have happened without without NHI's influence from the time I was a young teenager
1: We'll, we'll love you and we'll look forward to talking to you Alex. Take care. Totally. Of Thank you. Bye bye. tercera realidad Mi libertad Mi tercera realidad No es vanidad Un mundo es mi sueño Un lugar Feliz donde yo soy dueño
0: for more information on the National Hispanic Institute, please visit our website, www.nationalhispanicinstitute.org. Call us at 512-357-6137. Find us on Facebook, at NHIHQ or on Twitter, NHI underscore news, and at Instagram and Snapchat, NHI underscore news. Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network.